Hey, this is Jason Stein. It has been a while since our last podcast. I want to welcome you to another episode of the Wellness Renegade podcast. Here we explore the crossroads of wellness entrepreneurs like you and me who are committed to making money while helping others live healthier lives. People who are going against big pharma, insurance conglomerates, and the mainstream medical models. Each episode, we journey into the challenges and the breakthrough it takes to own your own business, pay the path through conventional medicine, and truly become a wellness renegade. Welcome, welcome. Welcome, Michelle Grassick. Hi. Hi. I am so <laughs> glad that you said yes. Oh, you me too. I'm excited. Tell the listeners just a little bit, like, where do you live? What do you do? Uh, so I live in the Finger Lakes region of New York State. And usually for people who are not familiar, I like to explain that as I am closer to Canada than Manhattan. Because people here in New York and they instantly think New York City. Mm. Um, we're about four and a half hours northwest of New York City. So I have a small practice in Seneca Falls, uh, New York, and I also teach marketing to other acupuncturists online, which I absolutely love. Nice. Now, how, what's the population of Finger Lakes? Uh, so the town that I'm in, Seneca Falls, is about 9,000 people. Okay. So I'm, I'm, in, <laughs> I'm in Joseph, Oregon. It's 1,200. Okay. <laughs> you win. <laughs> Both of us run practices. Both of us do practice management for healers. Yeah. I'm really curious, what did you do before acupuncture school? I went uh, right from undergrad to acupuncture school. Wow, that's not common. And no. <laughs> were you a TA or did you work like work study at all? Oh, sure. Yeah, I feel like I had I had a lot of interest in undergrad. So I have a, a bachelor's in biology. I did research on rats and natural food supplements um i studied abroad in england i was accepted to a master's degree program in england for acupuncture research at the university of york wow. so i went and did that and i was there for a semester and i dropped out because <laughs> uh, i realized i i really missed i felt like i was missing the opportunity to be in practice i went immediately after getting my acupuncture masters um so i yeah. a, a fact that I didn't know about you. Yeah, I, I definitely am always exploring, I think, which I did not realize was a positive, good thing until like my mid thirties. <laughs> nice, so I don't know if you knew about me when I was teaching at OCOM, the NIH National Institute of Health gave us a grant for research appreciation for acupuncturists to understand Amazing. research. Cool. I love that topic, that very specific topic, acupuncturists, understanding research and, and how we can participate. Very cool. Now, I didn't look it up before the call, but I've been very curious because when I used to teach, I noticed a trend in the U.S., which is every year we spent more on healthcare, and mm -hmm. every year we die earlier than other countries. Uh, last yeah. I checked, we were 43rd. Like, so I'll look that up. Later. Not encouraging. <laughs> We're number one in healthcare spending. <laughs> Marvelous. <laughs> so what out of all the choices you could have done, what had you choose the acupuncture path? 
I was actually pre-med for most of undergrad. Uh, in high school, I wanted to be a doctor. Mm. But I, I think if I was honest, I wanted that route because it sounded like the hardest thing I could choose. And I just wanted to prove that I could do it. So luckily, at some point in undergrad, I realized that is a really poor way to like make your life choices. Uh, and so it was... Um, I actually don't remember if it was junior year or sophomore year, but everyone was preparing to study for the MCATs because I was in a biology learning group, which is pretty much all the students who want to go to med school. We right, lived right. together in one dorm so we could torture each other with studying. And did you end up taking the MCAT? I did not. I, during that time when I was trying to decide, my grandmother had a mild stroke and my aunt brought her for acupuncture. And she was very lucky that uh, she didn't have a lot of symptoms afterwards. She just had a little bit of difficulty using her left hand and her left arm. But from the acupuncture, she got so much better. And I had visited an acupuncture school in high school in my tiny hometown as a field trip. And so as soon as my grandmother felt better from acupuncture, I just felt like that's it. I'm not going to med school. Like there's no way. Now, what year was it that you... Uh took a left-hand turn, you became an acupuncturist, and then you're like, well, I really also want to teach other acupuncturists. Hmm. That's a good question. So I graduated in 2010, and, and then I spent the semester in England, and then I decided not to stay. So I came back and opened my practice in January of 2011. Probably the following year, I realized that at that point, my favorite part of being in practice was the marketing part, which is wild. It's such a rare breed. So, so wild. And I have to apologize. There's a special event happening today with a train outside my office. So I think it's about to get noisy. Oh, okay. I'll um, run it through our filters. Yes. Yeah. There's a, it's the Finger Lakes Railway, which everyone gets very excited about. Um, so at one point I was sitting at my desk in my office waiting for a patient to arrive and I was working on my website and the patient came in and I just felt so frustrated because I was interrupted with the marketing that I was trying to do on my website. And I realized like, this is not really maybe how it should go, right? Like the patient is definitely the priority. And I was talking to my mom about it and she's like, you have been talking about marketing so much recently. I think you should start a blog, like tell the internet about your love for marketing. And so I Googled it and there were only eight or nine other people talking about acupuncture marketing on the whole internet at that wow. time. So like wow. 2011, 2012. So I started my blog and I actually wrote that for two years and didn't, I mean, I didn't have any courses or classes or anything. I just wrote marketing advice for two years and finally realized people were emailing me with the same questions, mm -hmm. and the same struggles over and over again. And so that's when I finally decided to put together my first online class, just to answer those questions all in one place. Right. So I didn't have to repeat myself. And so what year was that? Uh, 2014. So at 2014, boy, you've seen it change a lot mm -hmm. since then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what sure. what do you think are some of those biggest struggles uh, for healers and acupuncturists now? I would say the main one that actually has not changed that much is just 
helping people get past the resistance that they feel to marketing. And there are lots of reasons that people push back against marketing, but just helping them uncover what that is and realize that marketing does not have to be gross, either for us as the person doing the marketing or for our audience, like our community who's receiving the marketing. It can feel good and be effective for everybody. Um, so that I think is the, the hardest thing to teach people, but also the most important. And once people get past that hurdle, they realize marketing can be creative and interesting and they can lean into their strengths and then they can find their people in the community and it, it just starts to feel so much lighter and better after that. Now, one of the things I saw that you did that I thought was brilliant is that you started offering continuing ed mm -hmm. on your own site rather than through someone else. Yeah. And why is it like you and I, if we put our heads together, we know some amazing instructors like that have taught for decades, right? Yeah. And those usually, although there are outliers, are not the ones that go do continuing ed and make lots of money on their own. Those right. are usually the ones that get paid by the schools and have to be like overwhelmed all the time by administration. And so why, why is that? Well, I mean, I think it's partly the problem of the higher education system where brilliant people are expected to churn out content for a college or a university for almost no pay, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Because they, nobody really offers tenure anymore. Tenure at an acupuncture school is almost unheard of. Right. Um, and I think there's a lot of comfort in that structure because then you get to say that you have a full-time job or you get to say that you work part-time as an adjunct professor. Uh, there's a lot of legitimacy to that statement, right? And then they get, obviously there's nothing wrong with that. I have done that. I loved telling people I was an adjunct professor, mm -hmm. right? That's really exciting. Um, but then you, you get you get a regular paycheck yeah. and it's sort of like the job funnel that you expect when you go to undergrad, right? They always say, go to college, go to grad school, you'll get a job, you'll be successful. So it's just part of that funnel, I think, is why. Um, and then I think, I don't know, the internet feels, it's not new like it used to, but it's a big shift to tell people who've always done like a very classical education approach if they're teaching inside a university to just turn around and figure out how to build an audience, how to record and edit their own video, how to launch a podcast. Yeah, It's a whole new education to immerse yourself in. It's, uh, it can be intimidating. Certainly well, not, not only intimidating, but I think also there's just so much content being produced these days because it's so easy to do mm -hmm. if you have a phone. And so the big question that yeah. I see people ask is why me? Why should I do it? Why should I go create content? Gotcha. Yeah. There's a, I think there's also a really beautiful humility in our profession because we have this awareness that we are learning information that has been passed down for for generations and there's so much wisdom in the idea that like it has worked for so yeah. long in the past yeah. right and if you are committed to like the theory and the practice you will improve but i think that uh we also have this fear of ever saying like i have 
something to share that is worth me like standing up and being um, very visible in order to share it. Right. right. So it's, it's kind of like finding that that balance between the humility and saying, like, I have something unique to share, which I think is doable. But I mean, even that is an intimidating prospect for some people because they're like, why would I teach skincare when there's Mazen? Right. Of like, of course, I mean, Mazen is brilliant and, and has just like an avalanche of information to share. But like maybe you could teach one small class on something specific, right? Like acne and just be like, this is what worked for me for the past decade. It doesn't have to be earth shattering. See, right? that, it, it all It'd comes be, down be, to marketing, doesn't it? It comes down to marketing. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about like the opioid epidemic, mm. which was caused by pharmaceutical reps marketing. And I've never seen an <laughs> acupuncture epidemic. So, so you're talking about, you should be so lucky. <laughs> you're talking about micro niching into acne relief and like the major marketing is proactive and mm -hmm. I haven't seen long-term results be really good with proactive, but I have seen many things with, with acupuncture facials and dietary changes be incredibly life-changing. Sure. So it, it comes down to this marketing and, and what worries me most about the future is the recent censorship. Like mm. I know MailChimp has censored um, some colleagues of mine. Interesting. Uh, yeah. And during the COVID epidemic that we're still kind of lingering through, it's like you could say some things and not others. And it also depended on timing. Like certain oh, things yeah. about masks were said that were like, you know, totally taken offline. And then later there was like more evidence about masks. So, and even now it's still like, you know, even talking about COVID and having a rational discussion between two people becomes a super intense thing. Oh yes. I mean, online and offline. <laughs> yeah. And so as you were marketing, what was your experience with your clients during COVID? I'm really curious. Yeah, so um, in New York State, acupuncturists had to be closed for a lockdown for about two and a half months. Wow. Uh, and then afterwards, we were considered, we weren't before lockdown, but we're now considered essential medicine, which was really like a huge step up for us. Because I mean, not just that, you know, if there was another lockdown, we could stay open, right? Like the MD's offices, but just for sort of being taken seriously. It, it, I was surprised that we were given that uh, authority to say like so quickly <laughs> during that time. Um, but I found it super difficult to market in 20 and the first part of 21 because people, at least in the area I'm in, were so sensitive to the numbers. Like I, I, I love postcard campaigns. I'm obsessed. And I feel like I'm not quite doing it right, but I am going to figure it out. That's awesome. So I remember I had several instances where I sent out like a hundred postcards, 200 postcards being like, we're back. Cosmetic acupuncture is back because cosmetic acupuncture is especially difficult to sell to people who are afraid to come in take for treatment, let you touch them and to take their masks <laughs> off. Right. So finally it like felt safe to have people take their masks off. And we have, we have all these protocols to make people feel comfortable. And like, that's, that's cool. I'm totally fine with that. But I'm like trying to launch it. 
right? And it was like, as soon as I would send out these postcards with a discount and then send out these emails, the numbers would spike and people would be talking about lockdown again and nobody would want to go out. Like people would cancel their appointments or like a whole bunch of people would, like patients would get COVID and have to cancel. And it would be like half of my patient numbers. So it was very disheartening to keep marketing with my usual enthusiasm during that time because it was so unpredictable I was like every time I spend money on marketing (laughs) something happens it just goes out the door we're not going outside (laughs) like thank you but no uh and you know after a while I realized like this is just what it is right now um and so uh I would say that the practice built slowly and I shifted my focus to things like pain, digestion, and anxiety. Like I stopped asking people to come for cosmetic for a little while right? because the marketing was, the ROI was just so inefficient. Um, But anxiety, lots and lots of people were prepared to come for anxiety treatment because of course everyone was a basket case. So I'm super curious, without naming any names, was there anyone you knew in in, uh, the acupuncture field in New York that stayed open? I actually don't know any names. In the beginning of lockdown, I think there was one person, uh, maybe like an hour away who stayed open for a little bit, but ended up closing. And there was, I mean, there was certainly some confusion as well. I think like chiropractors were sort of like, should we be open or closed? Like half of them were open, half of them were closed. Mm. So, and it was, yeah, man, such a weird world. You know, the reason I love marketing is that my clients that had a newsletter and were able to pivot during the COVID era, Mm -hmm. um, they were able to not just take PPE loans, but they were able to make some money and help people, like literally help people. And so um, curious, did you see that as well? Uh, so I didn't create any, like a, an online course directed at my patients, if that's what you mean. No, or any of your clients. I'm just wondering, innovation is super important in business when it comes to marketing because things change, right? It's like yeah. uh, if you were to, uh, let's say, market vinyl records, there was an era when we moved to digital when it was like your business tower records went belly up, right? Right. But now vinyl's back in a big way. So I'm curious if you saw innovation and and where you saw it, like, what did you see happen that worked? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had marketing clients who decided to create their own classes for things like um, Chinese medicine, nutrition for what I've, found worked the best was when their classes were very specific. So not just like Chinese medicine, nutrition introduction, like uh, dietary approaches, not just broad for any patient, but like Chinese dietary therapy for painful period Mm -hmm. or Chinese dietary therapy for, you know, like very specific uh, digestive symptoms, because that helps your email list of patients who were seeing you in person that helps them know like oh this class is specifically built for me right and that's what makes them feel really good about buying it they know they're going to get a lot of value because you are pretty much calling them out 
and being like, if you have these symptoms, like I made this class that you can take care of yourself at home. Um, so the more specific people got with their online courses, I felt like the better they did. Nice. Yeah. And did you get into a creative mode at all for yourself? It's interesting. I kind, it kind of came and went in waves. I did create an Instagram class uh, in 2020 that did really well. Uh, and then I, I had periods where I just felt like, uh, well, let me, let me start over. So like we had lockdown, right? And so I had two and a half months to build my marketing business online, mm -hmm. teaching all of these webinars and creating courses. And um, so that became much, much busier. And then eventually I reopened my practice and that slowly got busier. So after a little while, I realized that I was working at like three fourths capacity for both of them, uh, right? So instead of having like two half-time jobs, I right. now had two almost full-time jobs. Yeah. So I definitely had periods where my creativity tanked because I was like, just maintain. <laughs> but then you, you usually hit that burnout and realize like, I need a timeout and then you take a little sabbatical of some sort. And when you come back, you're so refreshed and you're like, okay, now I have great ideas. Again. It's amazing. I, I'm kind of, it's all foggy because the last two years have been so intense for mm -hmm. so many that you yeah. and I came out of the gate in 2020 and offered that telehealth course. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that course was amazing. Yeah. I actually think that a lot of people had no idea what to do and how to shift gears. Oh my goodness, for sure. Yeah, I think we had a hundred people live with us on that class. Yeah, and then you also, I remember you did a ADA website class because yes. that was needed Before too. Was... So mm -hmm. I just love the creativity of getting outside the box of like, uh, I think you nailed it in the beginning of talking about you kept writing your blog and people kept asking the same question. Mm -hmm. So for the listeners, for your clinical practice, what questions do you keep getting asked and what info product could you create that would be an add-on to the services? Yeah, yeah. that's a great approach. Yeah, because you're already meeting the need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, and you already know exactly what to tell people. <laughs> I'm super curious, like 2023, what's coming down the pipeline for you? Well, I have a podcast, Acupuncture Marketing School, that has been on pause for a little while, and I am really excited to start releasing episodes where I'm interviewing people just like this, which is yeah. wonderful. It's been a solo podcast for over a year, and part of that burnout was definitely reaching the point where I was like, man, I love this podcast, but I'm like out of things to say. I never thought that. Would I never shut up. <laughs> Time has finally come. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to the really refreshing energy of just these kind of conversations with other people on the podcast, I think is, is wonderful. And just talking with other people breeds that creativity that you're talking about. Do you always go for passion points first? Or do you look at finances of like, what will generate revenue? Hmm. Like when I'm advising someone on when you're on thinking about your own business, my own business. Yeah. That's a really good question. I'm definitely at the point now where I focus on the things that I am really interested in that 
give me a little jolt of endorphins. Yeah. Whereas in the past, I would certainly teach classes or create things that felt like a grind because I was building my list or, you know, income was low comparatively for a certain month. Um, I don't really do that anymore. After my burnout experience, I was like, I need, I need to get, get serious. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think the things I'm focusing on. I don't think I've met anyone in the field of, of health and well-being that hasn't burnt out at some mm -hmm. point during the course. Yeah. Same. Yeah. What's your what's your burnout tip? Just don't be hard on yourself for realizing you're in that place. Because I think we we all really believe we can avoid burnout. Like we're somehow going to do the hustle and the grind better than other people so that we don't get tired. But the truth is, if we're really buying into the, you know, that idea that like the more money we have and the harder we're working, the happier we'll be. Yeah. I think we are definitely going to hit burnout at some point. Mm. So just don't be hard on yourself. If, if you find yourself really tired, just figure out what you can rearrange to take like mental breaks. So and like, uh, it, it's such a good conversation on burnout. Like mm. what's your biggest tip for either stress resilience or, um, to really put deposits in for yourself? I have a lot of things that I like to do. And I always preface this with the fact that I don't have children because sometimes people are like, how much free time do you have? I'm like, I don't have kids. So <laughs> that matters. Uh, I mean, every morning I, um, I have like two hours in the morning of quiet time, more or less before I get to work. So I um, journal, I meditate. I literally make time to sit with my cat because I think animals are super therapeutic. Um, and I feel like, especially if you're in burnout, journaling, if, if you like writing, I know not everybody is into it, but it can be incredibly helpful in revealing like how you got to that place mm. and what you should do next. I mean, sometimes it's painful, right? You sort of have to face all of the stuff that you're dealing with and then work through it and figure out like, okay, what do I really want? How do I actually want to spend my days, which is how you spend your life. But I think that time by yourself, writing things down, um, gives people a lot of clarity instead of just letting it be a jumble in your brain. I'm fascinated of the crossroads between burnout, avoiding burnout and making money. Yeah. And so I really like your tip of journaling because it's something that uh, I've, I've met many people that used to journal, mm -hmm. but I've never met anyone that had journaled for a little bit and they hated, hated journaling. I'm sure they <laughs> exist. I just haven't met them. Uh, yeah. and, and so the flip of that is making money. Like what's your tip on money making? So the way that I like to think of it now is uh, sort of make a list of all of the things that I am offering, right? Mm -hmm. So either in my clinic or in my marketing business, and then think about how much time do each of those things take mm -hmm. to really execute and how much 
do I like doing them? So there's not much that I'm doing at this point that I don't enjoy. So I don't have to think about that as much, but some people you really have to take it into consideration. And I recommend doubling down on whatever makes you the most money in the least amount of time that you actually like doing. So an example is at my office, um, and I'm, I'm in such a rural area, so and our cost of living is extremely low. So people are always floored by these clinic prices, but don't worry, we are on par with everyone else. Uh, so a one hour like general acupuncture treatment is $60. A one hour cosmetic treatment is 90. And I like cosmetic acupuncture. Like I like doing it. I like the process of all those extra needles and the gua sha on the face, right? Yeah. Which not everyone enjoys. So for me, when I think about like, how am I going to make more money and not burn out? I'm going to focus on getting more cosmetic clients because I don't need as many right. as my general clients. You make right? $30 more per client. Exactly. And, and so just sort of applying that, like, okay, so now what am I going to do with my marketing? I'm really only going to talk about cosmetic yeah. because that's my goal. It's so crazy. I have a client in Portland. I think they charge two fifty for microderm, and then I have someone. Oh, for microneedling, yeah. Yeah, and then, expensive. and then I have uh, someone in the Midwest. They charge three hundred. Yeah. And they get it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think in in New York City, microneedling can be upwards of four four fifty. Four fifty for and they told me the treatment takes thirty minutes. Yeah. That's crazy. I am actually considering adding microneedling to my practice for this exact like conversation right. that we're having. Because thinking about like what are the things I enjoy? I like natural skincare. Uh, as an acupuncturist in New York State, it's within my scope of practice to do microneedling. Yeah, and it's uh, a little investment upfront to buy the microneedling pen. But once you get going, you can charge three or four times as much in a half hour session. For so, someone that likes cosmetic, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. I talked to another client about it and she yeah. said, no, no facials, no fertility. Not for me. For sure, yeah. <laughs> no, and I, you know, I think that's valid. That's the whole thing where it's like, you could choose to do things that make you more money, but is, is it creating like that nails on a chalkboard feeling in your chest? And that's not worth it. That'll send you straight to burnout. Yeah. What I love, I don't take insurance and I'm working with more people that don't take insurance and you don't take insurance, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when you take the insurance out of it, your practice can become so much more fun again. Yeah. It's just so, so much. I had no idea how draining insurance was, but I can tell you when I go to acupuncture or healing forums online, mm -hmm. often over 50% of the conversation is about billing insurance. Yeah. And I used to take insurance um, for, I think, three or four years when I was first in practice. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it just took uh, like a four hour chunk of my work week. And that was I mean, that was in 2011. And so everything was paper, right? <laughs> so like literally filling out insurance Faxing. paperwork by hand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it just was, it was very draining and lots of, you know, phone calls with the insurance company asking why they didn't pay you. And they're like, well, we're not really sure. So just send it again. That you're like, <laughs> and it's a caveat. I'm not against insurance providers. Oh, I'm, I'm against either. insurance for me. 
Um, yeah. I know people that are taking VA. I know that people yeah. are, are starting to realize, like, I believe ash would go bankrupt if everyone just said not worth it going somewhere else yeah. right or whatever those providers are these days that are charging the less and every year they're reevaluating the contracts and giving providers less when right everything's costing more right so it just is an interesting conversation for a different day but um especially if you take insurance think about these classes that Michelle and I are talking about create something outside of the mm, one yeah. more patient, one more paycheck model. Yeah. 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 And so I love it. You're avoiding burnout. You um, are making money. And what I love is I've watched you over. I don't know how long we've known each other. It's been years at this point. Oh gosh. Six years, seven wow. years. And make it be more. <laughs> I just, I, Every year I see you struggle less and, and make more, which is awesome. Thank you. <laughs> so it's a, it's a any, learning any, curve. Any final sure. words to the community? I, gosh, I feel like I should have prepared. <laughs> What's pithy that I can say? Uh, marketing doesn't have to be gross. I hope, you know, I hope everyone has that little kernel of hope in their heart. And um, yeah, just let's not be so hard on ourselves. I love that message. Yeah. Because I think we all are at different times. Yes. Yeah. So I just appreciate you, the listener. You know, you can visit us at, at wellnessrenegades.com. And I'm doing this in reverse. Michelle, where can people find you? Uh, michellegrassic.com. And then on Instagram at michellegrassic. Great. I appreciate having you today. And if you're listening, I invite you to like, subscribe, and, and uh, check us out over at wellnessrenegades.com. I'm Jason Stein, and I'm wishing you guys a great day.